Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 121. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by the Thanksgiving Day Martha Stewart Thomas Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. Yeah, I'm actually kind of pumped. Like, I know that all of the, um, everybody is saying not to, not to host Thanksgiving dinner, but I'm having my parents and my brother over, and we have Sunday dinners every week anyway, so it's nobody who's outside of our bubble, even though they're like, they live in another house. But it's just going to be the six of us, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Bro, you got to make sure you have your blinds down, right? Charlie Baker's looking. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to do anything <laughs> like that. But, like, I completely understand the set, the sentiment behind don't travel. It's really it's really not the right time to. But um, Yeah, we're not traveling. We don't actually have anywhere to travel to anyway, so it's kind of a moot point because nobody's hosting. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, even if uh, even if we wanted to travel, there's nowhere to go. Yep. Well, there's there's bright bright hopes on the uh, horizon with um, the two new vaccines that, that were developed. Yeah, that's uh, what Moderna. Yeah, much. Moderna had one today that basically didn't need to get shipped at negative ninety degrees or whatever it was. Um, that had a five percent higher um, effective rate, which is like. Bro, I guess what vac- needs to be shipped at negative ninety degrees? Pfizer Pfizer's vaccine. No, needed. but I mean, in terms of like, you're talking about like things in general. Like, what needs to be shipped in liquid nitrogen? Uh, well, apparently that vaccine. I'm not sure what else. I'm sure. I'm, I'm just trying to understand like, like what's in it. You know, like um, I, I haven't really read about it or anything. But I, I mean, there's got to be some like some sort of biologic agents that if the temperature warms up, they might activate. I don't know. You have to like remove all the kinetic energy from the system. I mean, effectively, as close as you can get to removing all the energy from the system. So, like, what is it? Like a mole? Like, you know what? It, what I mean? Like, what is it? A bacteria? It's not. So. No, it's not. It's some sort of. Yeah, I, I watched the news today, so I was about to say it's some sort of messenger RNA. I have no idea. I have no idea exactly what it is, but uh, apparently, if it gets warm, it's no good. So yeah, there you go. All right. Well. We'll see what happens with that, but we had, I wanted to thank real quick Joe Dyer. Uh, When I was looking for the results for the show notes this week, I noticed that he posted our episode in the Legacy Discord, which is probably the first time in like a year and a half that we've had anything up there. I didn't know that there was a Legacy Discord. Or I'm sorry, dude, I said it again. The Legacy subreddit. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I try, I try not to be on Reddit, but that's really awesome. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. That's uh, that's well done on his part. We really do appreciate it. And we're sorry to all the other guests whose episodes we didn't post. But uh, Joe, obviously, does a lot for the format. It was great to have him on. Really a man of character coming on with us rather than leaving a legacy. So if you didn't listen to that episode, I suggest that you do it. And bro, it's it's wild to me that there's still people listening to our episodes. Like when I see the number of downloads or whatever, like it's it's still kind of cool, right? Like even even with yeah. COVID, nobody really commuting to work and all of that. There are still people who enjoy it. And actually, um, you're you're, you're not in our Discord, but um, Sugi Sugi made a post, and it was like one of those like really emotional, like I miss you guys, um, <laughs> and I can't wait for everything to sort of get back to normal. Does he know he won uh, Listener of the Year for 2019? He, he maybe, I, maybe, maybe I need to go back and shoot him a message. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it, it was nice. 
Yeah, sometimes it feels like it's just us and the FBI agent on the call, you know? So okay, yeah, no, I, I understand. It's cool that there's still other people listening. <laughs> but Speaking well, of that, Parler's getting some... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, basically, um, I've been just cubing all week as as expected I've been, I've been really diving deep into the vintage cube and it was pretty cool because there was the mocks this week mm-hmm. the 2019 mocks apparently but they did a lot of vintage cube too so i actually watched a little magic coverage that was cool there was the whole oliver 2 michael jacob controversy what happened there oh bro so uh one of them had effectively gained infinite life michael michael jacob had effectively gained infinite life but he sent a message in the chat like do i have to go through this because oliver was already in the red on clock mm-hmm. michael had like an extra five or six minutes on clock at least and oliver said no i won't attack he said i have a way to win through mill so they go they go about the game and like three or four minutes passes and Oliver starts attacking. And Michael's like, you know, what the fuck, bro? And he's like, sorry, I need to win in time because he was down to two minutes on clock. Yep. So it became this big thing. And uh, after the backlash, Oliver was allowed to retroactively concede the match. Okay. Uh, so. <sighs> That's just weird, right? Like it's like a like a hyper competitive tournament where yeah. you should really just kind of take any route that you can to victory. And he got like social pressure to going back and conceding because he said that he wouldn't use the clock and then he eventually did because that was like his best way to win. No, no, no. He said that he wouldn't attack. Michael Jacob had infinite life. He had like a kitchen finks combo or whatever. Right, right, right. So he could have like gone through all the iterations. But Oliver said he wouldn't attack anyway and just pretend that Michael had infinite life. Oh, and then he started to attack him at the end even though he hadn't yeah. gained infinite life. Exactly. Okay. That. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. 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 I get it now. I get it now. That's, yeah, it was, that's it was fun. It was that's fun. It was a little up. drama, a little, a little spice, you know? A I mean, like. Sriracha. Obviously, that's not like against the rules or anything. You're like, yeah, yeah, I definitely won't attack you. You don't have to gain it. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, wait, just get (laughs) in. The first time I met Oliver, he was like 15, and uh, we were playing at a Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. A Grand Prix that he ended up getting his first top eight at, actually, and I I did fucking shit all on day two. But I I beat him because I had uh, a main deck. There was a card from Dragon's Tarkir that was like, the opponent sacrifices a green or white creature and loses two life. It was one in a black instant. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was called, but I had it in my main deck because everybody was basically playing Sea Drinos or Dragonlord Ojitas. Yep. And he he like deck checked me. He called the judge and then just sort of uh, I don't know was was very upset, very salty that I had that card in my main deck. So the um. I played him when we were 12 and 2 at a Grand Prix, uh, the one where I had the main deck disenchant that I got yeah. Seth Manfield with. Uh, and I mulliganed to 5 in game 3 and lost like a 
I don't know, it was like a $500 match where uh, the X and 2 would have gotten $1,000 and I ended up with 500 or something like that. But I also played him in like a TJ's PTQ when he was like 14 in the basement. And he's just he's just an excellent player. Yeah, no, for sure. He's, he's a good player. And part of the BC lineage, actually. It's, I uh, didn't know he went to Boston College. He did, yeah. So Was Matt, uh, Matt Costa a BC, a BC he kid was, too? He was, yep. It, basically, okay. it went, it's sort of like, you know, um, Socrates... Aristotle, Plato. It's like uh, me, Matt Costa, and Oliver too. <laughs> All so, right, I, I I I get. I see the threading that we've you all played at uh, New England Comics Pandemonium. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I, I get it. I get it. So I, I consider myself a progenitor of sorts, I guess. But yeah, basically, uh, Cube is, is going away, and I'm gonna miss my friends, man. I, I've been drafting Cube. I probably had at least 20 drafts in i'm gonna miss i've been given the cards names like uh christopher walken ballista and paul Hangerback walker i'm gonna miss these guys man they're uh i thought you were actually talking about like your friends that maybe you were queuing up with at the same time to try to no no try to get into the same draft not bro i do I get messages i was not ready for that I do get messages from the the grinders now, like the trophy grinder guys, the draft yep. guys, that are always like, "Oh, queue up for this," and I'm always just like, I don't know. Like chatting through Moto seems so uh, so difficult and just not something I'm interested in doing. So I've doesn't it bring you back to like the the aim days? Yeah, bro. Maybe it's maybe brutal. ICQ way back in the day. It's brutal. And if anybody messages me on Moto. I know our our buddy uh, John Fannin actually messaged me the other day. A lot of times I just leave my computer on, mm-hmm. so I'm sorry. Like I'll see your message eight hours later. And yeah, that's what I tell life. people that I don't respond to as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So th- basically, don't message me on Moto unless you don't want to hear back from me. But yeah, we had a guest episode. We had James on, and we had Joe Dyer on. And I've got a guest lined up for next week, but oh, I felt a like surprise. Uh, kind of. Okay. I mean, it, it's someone we've had on before. Okay. But it's kind of a surprise too. But Is it Adam? No, no, it's not Adam. Oh, okay. I saw. I saw. There's lots about elves in this episode, and I was like, Oh no, no. Yeah. No, it's not. Okay, it's not Adam. No, it's it's someone. I don't know. We'll see. But I felt like we could use a. Uh, maybe a great reset episode between the uh between last week and this week yeah we need we need an episode to like set the floor to hype up our next guest exactly yeah because like we had we had like a bunch of these episodes in a row and then it all led up to uh to james and joe and it worked (laughs) out perfectly because everybody was like wow they were they were great yeah um (laughs) just because we set them up for it so yeah. I've actually been listening to James. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but I've been listening to James's new podcast today. I got the the pilot episode to give my notes on. And it, it was pretty good, man. So Uh, what's the topic? Well, I'm not I'm not sure that I'm supposed to be talking about it, so oh, I'm just going to okay. leave it at that. Okay, but okay, okay. Assuming it comes out someday. I understand. Then we can talk more about it. Yep. But it was interesting, man, and it was uh I don't know. I would recommend that people give it a chance. If you like Humans of Magic and if you uh, have have an interest in things, let's say, 
then I would check it out. It's not about basketball. Okay, well, that, I thought, that's I, I thought it was probably going to be about, like, the great state of China or, um, <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. It's not about LeBron James. Oh, bro, that's that was even my intro. I was going to call you the Jared Dudley to my LeBron James. Oh, okay. Oh, actually, remember the person on Twitter who was like, listen, you shouldn't talk about LeBron? Uh, yeah. Had an amazing, amazingly, like, heartfelt post that we got tagged in that talked about how, like, how us and leaving a legacy and um, uh, eternal, what's the, what's Julian's podcast? Uh, Eternal Dirtles. No, not Eternal Dirtles. Everyday Eternal. Everyday Eternal and um, uh, fuck all the other legacy podcasts about how like we 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 were doing some good work and he appreciated it and I like I got a little emotional and I was like all right maybe I was hard on this guy about <laughs> maybe I was it was a good it was a good post nice we actually got a an email I should uh I should jump to that before we jump in yeah because we're gonna forget it. Yeah, we got an anonymous email. Oh, this is was a, it like the Leaving a Legacy? Uh, um, no, never, not okay. like that. It was from Faulted, someone named Faulted Form. That's all I have. But That sounds uh, familiar. Okay. I'm just but saying that sounds familiar. Faulted Form. It sounds like an, an error, right? Like I'm surprised this didn't go to spam. But we have... Uh, the recommendation, the guest recommendations that we have on XJ Cloud, uh, Real Pokemoki, and Negator Seventy Seven. Well, are, those are those all are, awesome people. So those are originally, all, when you were like, "We got a guest lined up," and I saw that part of the cast notes, I was like, uh, "Oh shit, Ian did work." Look no, at this, no, lining up real, real people. Not that Joe and James yeah. aren't like real people, but. Well, I was going to say, so like these people, that whoever this was that sent us this email, and thank you for reaching out, but I, I appreciate the the ads that they gave us, the, the Twitter ads. I, I've i never actually talked to Negator uh, Tom Hepp. Really? He's like, he's one of the few people I can say, like, you know, like bigger name legacy players or whatever that I've never actually interacted with. Like I've never spoken to him. So oh. I don't even remember playing against him online. Okay. No, I've definitely played against him online when I, obviously, when I was playing Magic Online. But I see him at events every now and then. Uh, or when oh, really? I was when, Like, not, not in the last year. But, uh, but at a lot of the Star Cities in the Philly area, um, I think, I think we've, we were at, I could have been blackout drunk, but at the Leaving a Legacy Bar thing in Virginia, at the, at the, the Grand Prix down there. Okay. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Nice. Yeah, I've heard good things about him, but I've never uh, never dealt with him, so maybe we can try to work something out. I don't think we've ever had a Depths player on. We were supposed to get Frey on at one point, but that fell through. And I don't know. Am I wrong? Um, no, I think you're right. I'm sure that yeah. some of our guests have played Depths before, but we've never had like a, like a Depths specialist like... Uh, like Certified. a test specialist when when Bryant was on or anything like that, um, right? And every time every time I see the Twitter name, uh, real Pokemoki, all I think about is Pokemane. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, okay. I'm glad we're on the same page with that. Bro, so my brother was up in Maine this weekend, mm -hmm. and he said um, that every, all the Patriots fans up there. Yeah. When he when he would try to talk shit, he's a Steelers fan. My whole family are Steelers fans, other than me, but. Um, 
he was saying that all the Patriots fans up there, their cope was basically that they were Bucks fans now. Like he would try to talk mm. about the Patriots with them, and they'd be like, oh, "I'm just interested in the Buccaneers this year." I mean, and that's I thought, not. I thought that's that not was hilarious. True. They would absolutely be Patriots fans, and the Patriots are doing better. But I mean, we just beat we beat Baltimore last night. That was a good win. And that was um, a good win, actually. Like, we're three and five. Obviously, that's not the position you want to be in. But if the Patriots get everybody back and play the way they did last night, um, their defense is talented. And if their offense can actually score points and not turn the ball over, then I mean, maybe we sneak in as a wild card if we really, really crush it. But last week, I was like, Pats are done. We're two and whatever. There's no way we're beating Baltimore. I don't, I don't know why I'm still watching this. And obviously, I want to see Gronk and Brady do well in Tampa, but I wouldn't say that I'm a, I'm a Tampa fan. Still, like, we're Pats fans. Pats are just having an off year. Bro, what do you know about cloud seeding? Uh, are we talking about, like, computer programming, or are we talking about, like, chemtrails in the sky? Yeah, no, chemtrails. Okay, I know nothing about it. Anytime I, I hear somebody saying something like that, I just kind of think, like, like they're kind of you, you know like you know dubai or whatever they spray i don't know people say it's murky i don't know what it is but they they supposedly spray something in the sky and they can make it rain for like half an hour or whatever okay. in the desert you know mm-hmm. basically just ex, you know cause the cause the moisture to build up and so condense and, and then drop okay yeah i mean and i'm sure it, that it's possible I, it's something I, that they do like i don't know how regularly but they do they definitely do it there and when that rain came down last night in on the final drive when Baltimore got the ball with 65 seconds left <laughs> and 83 yards to go, and they were just showing Steve Belichick yep. and, and Bill <laughs> Belichick, obviously. <laughs> They're like, all right, they, they have controlled the weather in Gillette Stadium. They're yeah, at that Collinsworth's level. just like, well, you haven't yeah. seen rain like this all night. This is quite a coincidence. Yeah. Um, yeah, last night last night was crazy rain around here, at least in my area for the whole time. Um, yeah, so but especially I, for that the that fourth quarter drive by the Ravens. Yeah, I think the Patriots would be better than three and five if they could control the weather at home. I'm, I'm just I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. Yeah, well, you know, there's no fans that you're inconveniencing at this point, so I think why I think not go you, for you, it? Those fans like that, right? <laughs> like you get it snowing, you get it pouring. Like that's the that's the football experience. Yeah, dude, I've been to. Ugh, that, I I hate that. That stadium is so cold, bro. I mean, I'm sure you've been there, right? Uh, I have. Yeah, it's so cold. Like I, I've been to probably three games of that stadium. Mm-hmm. The See, wind I, just, I just whips through that, that fucking place. Every northern football stadium is exactly like that. And I, yeah, I, would, I don't know. I would think man. that New England would be better than a place like uh, than a Jet place Life. like Buffalo or or whatever. Oh yeah, maybe Buffalo's worse. I don't know. Actually, the last two uh, home games in Cleveland have had weather delays. We've had hailstorms both times. Hmm. But, yeah, no, I don't know, man. There's something about uh, Gillette that's just fucking brutally cold every time I've been there. But we should get to the events. Get into yeah, let's, let's do that. We're uh, one-third of the way through the episode, so it seems about right. We had two challenges this weekend much like every weekend the first of which was pretty uneventful it was won by t kudo playing elves over jpa playing rug which is like jpa's deck now this version of rug 
I just wanted to point out real quick that JPA is playing is a scary version. Like it, it's, it seems like the most felt, you know, no bad card version, I guess. But it's not something that I would play because you're on four Arcanists, two Mandrills, two Goifs, and um, basically your threats. Like were you to get rest in peace, and I understand rest in peace is a rarity these days but Mm -hmm. basically you've got eight of your threats relying on the graveyard right and then you got clothes out of the board which is also relying on the graveyard existing so it just seems like you're putting a lot of pressure on the graveyard and it's not like you're playing like uh you know ruin crab like hogak or something where you're necessarily filling the graveyard you're just relying on incidentally you know fetch land cantrip counterspell filling the graveyard yeah i think that just because this is such like a, a good card version of Rug, yeah. that bringing in Graveyard Hate against it is probably just going to punish you in, in some other way. Like there's still yeah. Loco, there's ways around it, and it's hard to, I, I don't want to say, take a take a card like Rest in Peace or Leyline of the Void and then bring it in against this deck because it has the possibility of just doing nothing right. and you can just get Delvered to death and you, you just die. So... Um, I, I can understand the sort of all-in-ness of trying to make sure that um, that you're just playing the best cards. Yeah. And in this case, those threats just end up being the best cards. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like so much, right? Like, I mean, having eight of your 15 threats be, like, completely graveyard-reliant just yeah. seems like a I mean, a I just, I don't, I don't think of Arcanist as a threat. Like uh, a traditional right. like close a the game threat. Like it's more of a card advantage engine. So you have four of your you have half of your actual threat creatures um, yeah. being uh, being resistant, um, and and then you're part of your card advantage engine. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's just pretty wild to me. And then we we also had in third place an infect deck, which was Blue Hope, which I think. Um, I think this is pretty much like the Infect decks were, uh, you know, before Oko came around and people started playing it in the sideboard, sometimes playing it in the main deck, but and, and Teferi too. But this is uh, two scale-ups in Infect, mm-hmm. and this is the highest placing we've seen for an Infect deck in recent memory, so I felt like it was worth mentioning. Yeah, I just that, think that that's one of those, like... Uh, we hadn't seen it in a while. Now we see one. It might. It probably doesn't say anything about infect and its right. positioning. It's just probably. Oh, I agree definitely on that. Yeah, yeah. just a. I don't know. Just a product of it finally performing well. Yeah, and scale up just seems better than become a mouse, right? Yeah, I mean, like it's it's really good. Become immense is obviously like it's an instant, so you can get right. to do some um, some crazy things with it, but. Plus six power for one green mana without having to worry about the graveyard is kind of nuts. It is pretty nuts, yeah. Especially if you're doing like uh, Ink Moth stuff, where a lot of times like you can't possibly delve for a become immense with an Ink Moth on like turn two with a noble or whatever, right? Oh yeah, you. I mean, you're never you're okay. You are rarely casting become immense turn two. Like it's usually it's usually a big finisher. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's. It's definitely better in the early turns, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it just seems like an improvement. You know, total improvement to me. Mm-hmm. 
Fourth place, though, and I, I wanted to really dive into this deck because it's actually put up some results, and we haven't we haven't mentioned it, or if we did mention it, we haven't really discussed it. Mm. What do you think, this blue-black Planeswalker deck? It's so... Okay, so obviously, like, I'm not super in touch with the format because I haven't been... I've been playing a ton. But when I see a deck like this that just has a Planeswalker suite that's so split... Um, I'm not exactly sure what to make of it. Like, this creature suite seems crazy. Like, I just, I never thought that I would see Murderous Rider Swift End in Legacy. I thought that was more of like a standard, standard, um, like a newer format value, value engine. Um, yeah. Maybe Pox or something, but not yeah. really. Like, Ethereal Forager as a card advantage engine is something that's kind of new too. Obviously, like, you have Strix, you have Planeswalkers, and you have a bunch of really good black and blue interactive spells um mm -hmm. but i i don't know i never thought of black blue getting built this way i always i always saw it play, like played more in like a flash type of shell um, right if you were if you were going to do something like that but yeah so we should explain to people so we got four baleful strix two murderous riders two ethereal foragers and a brazen borrower and then two liliana the veils one last hope Two Karn the Great Creators, one Jace, and one Ashiok Five Mana, which is from Theros Beyond Death. And yeah, is... this mana curve is just so like beefy. For something yeah. that's not playing any like ramp or acceleration, like you have one ancient tomb. Yeah. And you're playing a bunch of three, four, and five drops, like uh It is hella beefy for sure, but I thought I thought that it was worth mentioning for a couple reasons. First of all, I like it if if your current target are the decks that are are good right now like we're, the decks we've been talking about which are rug, rug and snow yeah rug snow elves death and taxes right yeah i, actually I mean literally like this last deck. hope is a is a monster against those decks yeah so the other reason i want to talk about this is there's two cards eliminate there's two eliminates and two ethereal foragers and we mentioned both of these cards specifically in the context. I remember when we discussed both of these cards, we talked about how if there was ever a blue-black deck that wasn't splashing red or white, because those colors had better ways to do these things, mm -hmm. but if there was a strictly blue-black control deck that these cards would see play, and now here we have that blue-black control deck that's playing these, these cards. So I just thought that was cool and worth a, worth a shout. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I do remember saying like, or, or having us say that if you're not talking about uh, Dreadhorde Arcanist, then maybe this this fills the void. Right, um, and with Eliminate, it's like you know you have Plow or whatever, but yep. If you but don't now have... now you have like slight flexibility with Planeswalkers that you can um, that you can do whatever too. But yeah, I, I know that there's. Um, uh, there's some kind of counter synergy to Snapcaster Mage and Ethereal Forager, but I would just like the deck is so mana hungry. I thought that this would just play Snapcaster Mage, right? Um, but but I'm 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 absolutely wrong about that. Obviously, that that's a good point actually. And you know, I thought the same thing. And the reason why is because there's two Lilianas in the main deck, and the, probably the weirdest card in this whole deck. There's two Dark Rituals in the main deck. I mean, like, sometimes you just need to be able to, like, like power out a Liliana. Like, you, well, have yeah. the, you have the ability to just ritual Liliana turn one with Forcible backup. And that's exactly. Like, but then what are you doing? You're just 
ticking up and discarding cards that you have no way to get value with. Oh, well, if you're if you're ritualing out the veil, I was talking more about ritualing out last hope. Okay. Um because I I feel like that card that card is just pretty good in this meta right now and I'm more excited about that than Liliana of the Veil. Yeah, but so there's two Liliana of the Veil though and it's like what what are you really doing with that? Like how are you breaking parity, right? Because you're a deck that's holding back counter spells. Like you have yeah, two you force can, negations, you four can force just, of wills. You can just sort of like uh, like strip all of the resources and you top deck better because of how high your curve is and the cards that you're playing. So like you can you can afford to ditch your counter spells to strip your opponent of their hand because your Karns and uh, Jace uh, is going to be a little bit more effective in the mid to late game. That's that's the way that I just sort of look at it when I see this list. Yeah, but it's just it's funny because usually when we've seen Liliana of the Veil in Legacy, you see it with cards like you know, I mean with Pox, there's like Nether Trader or whatever, like stuff like that. But you know, usually there'd be like Creeping Tar Pit, Lingering Souls, right? These H- cards H- that sort of break or something like that. Yeah, these cards that break parity where. You're discarding it, but you're only discarding half a card, right? Because mm-hmm. you, or or you know, play it with Snapcaster, play it, you know, with stuff like that. Where there's only one cling to dust. That's literally it for this deck. Is one cling to dust that you can discard and don't really mind. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean, you can fuel your Ethereal Forger or fuel your Murderous Cut, and that's that's where the the train ends. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. So again, this is where my inexperience like sort of comes in. I I don't exactly know I don't exactly know why the split is that way. Yeah, I don't I really do not, especially like in terms of the decks that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The only deck I really would want Liliana uh of the Veil against right now is Snoko. Mm-hmm. Like of the big decks. Yeah, that's still and, like a I don't know, that's like a tough get to yeah. be able to try to like tick up and tick up to strip your opponent of their hand and have them be able to flash in a um flesh in Quaddle, uh, yeah like that doesn't that doesn't seem winning and if they discard an arrow it's like okay great yeah you know it, it's it's not even that good but i mean like in terms of you know ritual liliana turn one they're gonna they're gonna struggle to beat that mm-hmm. but it's still not like a good enough reason to play dark ritual in my my opinion i really like the deck but i'm really puzzled by the two dark ritual to two liliana of the veil everything else about it i love but yeah i mean maybe it's to like to ramp out the ashiok too um i'm not i'm not 100 percent sold but um but the deck does seem kind of slow kind of big on the curve and dark ritual is something this deck really you wouldn't expect to see from and it might um it might get some people yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, if you're playing against elves and they go Allosaurus Shepherd and you play, you know, whatever, uh, Swamp Pass, and they start to go off, you can, you know, ritual, uh, kill the Shepherd, kill the Birchlore Ranger, and counter the Glimpse or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you can get some blowouts. Like, you can you can pick up some tempo with it. And that does seem good against elves, particularly. But it, it's just—I don't know, man. It, it's it's a really weird spot for that card. I understand. So yeah, I'm glad we we dove into that. The other deck I want to talk about was 14th place, 
uh, Narumi playing ninjas. Okay. This is this is like uh, reanimator ninjas, I guess you could call it. It's it's really strange because there's no Grizzle Brand in the deck. Well, I mean, it's, like, okay, imagine you have your Grizzle Brand, right? And you draw seven. Yeah. <laughs> what like imagine what you're looking at with this deck? You're going to be looking Agreed. at a certain number of ornithopters, uh, ingenious infiltrators. Like, this isn't really the deck that you want to to try to churn through by paying your life. Obviously, a it's a big life linking flyer, which is great, but yeah, uh, you're you're basically just playing it for the body. Yeah. So you've got the normal cards you'd expect to see out of ninjas, like. Four Ornithopters, four Retrofitter Foundries, four Changeling Outcasts, oh. but then there's also an Elish Norn and an Inkwell Leviathan and an Arc Amoeba, mm-hmm. along with four Entombs and three Reanimates. The Narc Amoeba, I think, is genius, because if you played this deck a bit, you know, you have four Ornithopters and four Changeling Outcasts, and if you just pass on turn one, your opponent thinks that you don't have a Ninja on turn two. Yeah. But you can just entomb for an Arc Amoeba, and that's way better than playing Memda in this deck. Yeah, absolutely. I never so thought I about really that. Like that. That is that is actually a very good um a very good use. I didn't think about yeah, that. I really like that. But the the Elish Norn, is that really the the next best thing after Inkwell Leviathan? Well, if you're pl- if you're planning on playing against elves a bunch, Elish true, Norn is true. like there, there are not many better cards than, than having an Elish Norn and playing against elves. That's a great point, actually. I guess Iona. Uh, but Iona doesn't get you back from, like, a like a bad board position. Yeah, true. Um, Yeah, anyway. But you, I mean, you're right. You're right. Iona's very good. Yeah, I was, I was going to make the case for Iona, but that is actually a, g- a good point because... There's also Delver to consider, right? There's Delver and Elves is the decks we've been talking about a lot, and, mm-hmm. and Death and Taxes. And in two of those three, probably, no. Yeah, two of those three, I think I'd rather have Elish Norn. Yeah. So, yeah. I will, uh, I'll eat my words on that. I'm surprised that, that Narumi here found space even with this reanimate package of four entombs and three reanimates, Alish Norn and Inkwell and mm-hmm. Archimeba. So that's 10 spots. I'm surprised there was still room for four retrofitter foundry. Yeah. I mean like the deck, <laughs> the deck has got like a lot of air. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't think that I would ever play a deck like this. And I know that we're trying to sit down and analyze it. The um, reanimator twist is nice because people aren't expecting that out of a uh, um, out of a ninja shell. Mm-hmm. You, you you get you get an, an ornithopter played against you, and you're not thinking that eventually they're going to follow it up with an Elishnorn. But right. um, but I don't want to think about too this this deck construction too much. <laughs> I just think it's interesting to cut days and ponder rather than touching the retrofitter foundry. It says a lot about how powerful that card is, I guess. Yeah, you can look at it that way. <laughs> so the Sunday challenge was really straight chalk in the top four. We had Blue Green Omni, Bananas Thrower won it over Yama Killer with Urza Echo. Urza Echo still putting up results, which is scary because there's not even Hall Breacher yet. Uh Vivaris, uh Alex, our our buddy Alex came in top four with Tess. So if you recall, he top eighted last week. Mm-hmm. Top four this week, so 
I have a 538 Nate Silvers on the case, and he thinks he's going to actually lose in the finals next week. And then the week after that, he's actually going to win the challenge. So keep your eye out. That's some great predictions. Yeah. And then fourth place, Ocean Soul, Blue Red Delver. The rest of the top eight was Blue Red Delver, Shark Still, Hogak, and Bant Anitel, which was actually Numat the Nummy, bro. That's crazy that he's dip- not dipping his toes in the legacy, but usually he's, I've seen him playing limited. Yeah, I've never seen him play constructed at all, actually, other than I think one time in the mocks he was playing modern. But this really kind of blew my mind. Like, why was he playing legacy? And is there a stream of it? Because I would watch it. I actually really like Numa. I don't know. Yeah, I played I played him in day two of a limited Grand Prix. Oh, and, yeah? And, uh,. Um, the round after we played, the judges came up to my table and were like, hey, you guys are on camera. And um, we got up there and Marshall looked at me and he goes, no, no, they're not it. <laughs> and they sent what? us back to the table because they tried to get they tried to get Kenji on stream. Oh, oh, I got you. And he was in our pod and they pulled the wrong table number. So me and the <laughs> other guy are like, okay, we're going to be on camera. And then Marshall just looks at us with like a look of disgust. And I was like, you got the wrong guys. <laughs> oh, man. I can see Marshall having a critique of your outfit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You should challenge him to that. a basketball game. Yeah. I mean, is he taller than you? I think we're about the same size, but now I probably have about 100 pounds on him. So we're playing, <laughs> we're playing half-court basketball. I may be able to throw my weight around, but uh, the physical therapy needs to needs to progress a little bit more. Gotcha. So we had a couple, couple peripheral tournaments this weekend, too. There was an event, I think it was NRG Series event, that our boy Topher topped forward with uh, Death and Taxes, with like the most the, the craziest build of death and taxes I've seen in a while. It was like four arbiters with field of ruins and ghost quarters. Mm-hmm. You know that version? Well, I mean I, I saw him tweet. Um yeah. and I checked it out. So I'm I'm just I, I haven't seen that version before him. Um I've seen I, people like theorize about it. Yeah, but they they were playing stuff like um like that white two drop that had the tax on searching. Yeah, Arbiter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and um, it was way back before they, before Legacy had, like, such a basic heavy mana base. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of that stuff was theorized, like, when you could say, okay, Ghost Quarter is close to a Wasteland. Right. Um, or almost as close to a Wasteland as you can get. So, I, I haven't seen it talked about recently. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I'm not sure what led to that being dusted off but mm-hmm. it was interesting to see it show up again yeah for sure i don't think that and, i would have like gone to that as a um as an explanation or as like a, a solution to the format but obviously, no me neither obviously like he did well with it and people didn't expect it yeah yeah for sure and also, no jit in the 75, I felt it was worth mentioning. So, four stone forge with a batter skull and a sword in the main. Mm-hmm. And no jit in the 75. What do you think about that? Um, I feel like if you're not really worried about elves or the mirror, then, I mean, that's that's fine, right? I feel like it was a direct dig at Adam, honestly. <laughs> okay. 
Like, I don't, I don't need it to be. You just have to have zero respect for elves in general to do that, right? Well, I mean, uh, Arbiter's pretty pretty solid against elves, right? That's true, actually. That's a good um, point. That, that's a pretty good main deck piece of hate to have where you can you can really screw a lot of the things that they're trying to do. Yep. That's um, a great point. Especially coming in off of a vial. Right. No, it's, it's all very legitimate. Yep. So there was also... Uh, this was actually technically last week, I guess. But or maybe, we didn't maybe it doesn't it. work like that. Maybe it needs to be in play when the ability gets activated. You can't flash it in. Or whatever. Whatever. Keep on going. Yeah. So, no, it, it does work like that. But uh, it's like Mind Sensor. Okay. But the Lotus Box uh, revised Dice City Legacy Open, if you recall, I believe Joe mentioned it to us and we were like, what are you talking about, bro? But I guess Anurag hosted this, and they did coverage, and it was 89 players total. Tom Hep, who we talked about earlier in the episode, your your buddy, donated 500 tickets personally to this event, so that's pretty insane. So big. Imagine imagine that. having 500 tickets to throw around. I've in never this, in this yeah, economy. In this economy, yeah, I've never had. I don't think I've ever had over 200 tickets in my account, so that's that's big, that's uh that's big balling, man. But it was won by Snowco Mark Eric Voigt, who was astute listeners will recall, the GP Bologna 2019 champion. Mark Eric Voigt, playing Snowco. Okay. So yeah, respect. Karn Echo in second, Greg Dyer. And fourth place was XJ Cloud with Orion DNT. Then we had Shadow, Hogak, Hogak, Snoko, and there was also an Elf stack in the top four. So a lot of what we'd expect to see. Obviously, this coming weekend is when we get those Commander Legends cards, and we'll see how much they shake it up. The only cards I expect to really shake anything up are Hall Breacher and Opposition Agent, as we've, we've discussed. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting more stuff. I'm expecting something we didn't expect, if if that really? makes sense. Like okay, um, I don't want to I don't want to put Astrolabe out there as an example, but like nobody saw that coming, and there's yeah. lots of like very wordy, um, potentially powerful cards in the set that I'm sure something else will end up coming out too. But Hull Breacher, Hull and uh, Opposition Agent are obviously the two that I'm looking at the most. Yeah, that that flip a coin card. And the Wheel of Misfortune. Mm-hmm. I can see those being the ones that, that could possibly be missed on. Like okay. Wheel, of, Wheel of Misfortune. I can see... I actually... I like the card, but I don't think that it's as good as people are going to be trying it. Mm-hmm. But I expect to see it show up just because people want to try it. You know what I mean? I got you. So yeah, that's that's about where we're at with the meta. No. There was a Bant Stoneblade yeah. deck last I week. I saw this. Yeah, so I missed this last week. Four Noble Hierarch, four Stoneforge Mystic. This is Muninex, by the way. Yep. It was top eight of the challenge. Four Hierarch, four Mystic, two Skyclave Apparition, three True Name, three Oko. And the spell suite you'd expect, and a Jit and a Batter Skull. So take that, Topher. And two Ponder. Two Ponder, two ponder, <laughs> yeah, two ponder. three days. Three Stifle, um, though. I love it. Like, this reminds me of the band decks that we played. 
Yeah, but what do you think about Skyclave Apparition? Do you think Skyclave Apparition is good enough? Oh, I definitely do. I think that uh, the old decks that we that we were playing had like a flex spot for maybe you played a Council's Judgment main deck, maybe you played a few in the sideboard. Yeah. Um, but it's a threat that can pick up equipment that kind of does the same thing. And when yeah. you're playing a True Name Nemesis deck, you don't really care about the token that you're making. Um, you're going to be fine. So I I love the idea of having Noble Hierarch and ramping up more threes. Uh, yeah. You have Apparition, True Name, and Oko. Uh, you have answers to a lot of things, and then you have that like that super diverse Bant spell base where you're playing a bunch of tempo cards and good removal. Um, I-, I like it. Now, obviously, I think the deck is kind of like it- it's like three or four years ago, and right. it has Skyclave Apparition thrown in there, but maybe that's the piece it needs. So, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, the thing is. I think Oko answers a lot of the problems that Skyclave Apparition does as well. Mm-hmm. So it seems a little redundant to me. But I mean, you made, the, you you made a good case with regard to carrying equipment and, you know, not caring about the token. I agree with you on all that. Uh, I just, I really like the idea of playing Teferi in this deck too. So it's okay. sort of, to me, it seems like six or a half dozen, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes this would be better, sometimes Teferi would be better. But. I, I did not think about this card in Bant, so I will give you that. The one weird thing about it is if you want to play it on turn three, you have to fetch Savannah turn one. Um, wait, you can't... Or, I'm sorry, if you want to play it turn two, is that what I said? If you want to play it turn two, you have to fetch Savannah turn one. That's not true. You, you Noble Hierarch, you can get, oh, I'm sorry. You can get Trop. Like, um, yeah, that's my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying, but you can you can fix it with Hierarch because Hierarch gives you a yeah. white. So, yeah, that's my bad. I don't know what I was thinking there, but yeah, I thought it was cool that this deck showed up. Obviously, did well. Uh, so, props to Muninex for showing up with this deck and obviously getting a shout out. We're sorry we missed you last week, but here you go. Good find. Yeah, bro. So, what do you got? Anything else? No, I'm um. I'm looking forward to the vaccine. <laughs> That's just, dude. It's gonna be like a like a year that we're all in this sort of bubble, and uh, I hope everybody that made it this far makes it makes it all the way through. But this is this is starting to get to me now. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting one of those counterfeit. I got my vaccine card, so I can get on an airplane. You're not going to get the vaccine. Are you that? <laughs> are you that deep? Are you that deep into it? I just want to piss off whatever listeners like to complain about. Whatever should I say? So, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't. I haven't thought about it at all. But I, I thought that you. was, uh, yeah. So if people want to want to find you to complain about your anti-vax co-host. How can you you can find me at T Smiley MTG. On Twitter, you can follow the cast at Dead Format Cast. Wow. Dead Format Cast at gmail.com, uh, at Ian1825 on Twitter uh, for the time being. And yeah, that's a wrap.